Hello, and welcome to Horror Nights in Podcast with me, your host, Crystal, where I talk about anything and all horror. On this podcast, I give you my honest and horrific opinion on a different horror movie every week. I drop spoilers, I never lie, I always keep it real. Sometimes I do specials, and sometimes I have co-hosts. To keep up with all things horror and the Horror Nights in Podcast, please join my Twitter horror family by following me at Horror Daddies R Us. We have a ton of fun over there, and I love it interacting and chatting with you guys, so please join in. And yes, the official Blumhouse Twitter account did come from my Twitter name already. Also, be sure to follow my podcast on whatever app you use. I am available for your listening pleasure on SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube. So, on this episode of Horror Nights In, we will be discussing Hereditary. I will be giving you my honest and horrific opinion on this movie. I will start by giving you the Rotten Tomatoes and the IMDb rating, a short synopsis, and then a lengthy dissection and discussion of the plots, characters, and ending with my overall honest and horrific opinion. So, stick around until the end, guys. So, before we get started on the podcast couple announcements to make. First, I got a cat. Her name is Roxy. Uh, if you want to see what she looks like, head over to my Twitter at HorrorDaddiesRUs. Um, I also am back to being a regular brunette, and by that I mean I don't have any more blonde in my hair. I actually haven't posted a picture of that yet, so if you guys want to see it, let me know. <laughs> I'm not sure if you guys are interested in the color of my hair. Um, also, just a disclaimer, um, if you hear meowing in the background, it's um, obviously Roxy. So I adopted her last Sunday. Um, she's definitely quite an addition to my household. I do love her and adore her, even if she is trying to, um, you know, jump up in my lap the whole time I'm trying to record a podcast. But she's a great little addition to my house. So hello, Roxy. I don't really want to get her attention because then she'll jump back up here. But she is in very close proximity to me right now. Also, another really fun announcement I wanted to make is I will be uh, joining Who Will Survive podcast as their guest. And it's run by uh, my friends Paul and Darth. So that's really exciting. We're actually going to be recording on Monday. I'm not sure when the episode will drop, but I'll definitely keep you guys um, updated because it's going to be a lot of fun. I've never been a guest on someone else's podcast, so I'm excited. So definitely um, make sure you follow me on Twitter so you know when that episode drops. Alrighty, so let's get into the podcast. If you guys follow me on Twitter, you know that I tweeted out this is going to be a rather long episode, so I hope you guys have some time to kill. I hope that wherever you are in the world or country listening to this, you um, definitely are ready and you have a snack and... You know, you're hanging out with your friends, listening to my voice. (laughs) Could I make that sound any creepier? (laughs) Anyway, so let's get into Hereditary. So Rotten Tomatoes gave this movie an 89% with 63% of the audience liking it. Um, And IMDb gave it a 7.3 out of 10. 
Hereditary was released June 8, 2018, with a running time of 127 minutes. It was directed and written by Ari Aster, and this being his uh, first film, I wanted to applaud him for making a huge impact on the horror community. Now, disclaimer, I knew nothing about this movie. I did not read any of the reviews. I didn't listen to any podcast, and I never really even watched the preview of it. I honestly couldn't tell you why I waited so long. Um... But regardless, here we are now. So the synopsis of this film is, after the family matriarch passes away, a grieving family is haunted by tragic and disturbing occurrences and begin to unravel dark secrets. Um, So this movie begins with Ellen Taper Lee's short obituary. We are then introduced to a room that looks like someone is building dollhouses, but very lifelike miniature ones. We then pan into one of the rooms and we see a young boy is sleeping. So I'm already digging the camera work and of course the music is amazing. It's super ominous and I feel I may need to watch this movie a couple times to really grasp onto all the hidden Easter eggs and um, just a disclaimer, um, when I was writing this I did go back and rewatch the movie. Um, So anyway, it looks like the family is getting up and getting dressed to go to, I assume, uh, the funeral of this woman that was in the obituary. We then meet Charlie, who who was the face of this movie and who I recall was the face that stuck with me when I, sh- when I saw a very short preview of it, um, as I'm sure it did with many others who have watched this film or at least have seen a preview of it. We also find out that she is the sister to the boy who was sleeping, who is Peter, and I assume the two adults are their parents. Um... So the father, Steve, is played by Gabriel Brine and his mother, Annie, who's played by Tony Collette. I actually know Brine from Stigmata and a Collette from Krampus. Uh, so now we are at the funeral with her family and Annie is making a speech about her deceased mother. We find out that her mother was extremely private and had par- private rituals and friends and also very protective of her life from her family. I also noticed that Annie and her mother are uh, wearing matching gold necklaces with the same symbol on it. So at the funeral, Charlie notices a woman putting some kind of oil on the lips of the dead woman. I also wanted to make a note of Charlie's mannerisms. She clicks her tongue and she eats Hershey's uh, candy bars. She likes to draw and uh, fall asleep in her treehouse and is uh, apparently pretty allergic to peanuts. We then see that Annie is the sculptor from what is called Miniature Works and has a show coming up. So obviously we have, we assume she is a miniature artist. Uh, we then get a little character development on Charlie. Uh, apparently she was her grandmother's favorite and never cried when she was younger or even when she was born. Uh, Annie's mother even wanted to feed Charlie as a baby. Uh, we then see the words Tony scribe, uh, scribed onto the wall of Charlie's bedroom. So we are now with Annie as she starts unpacking a box of her, her mother's things and inside she finds a book called Notes on Spiritualism and inside was a note for Annie that is basically an apology to her from her mother and it ends with our sacrifice will pale next to the rewards. Annie becomes frustrated and we get our first creepy moment with her mother standing in the room. But as Annie goes to flip the switch back on, the dead woman disappears. We then see that Annie has made a miniature scene of herself 
breastfeeding Charlie and how apparently her mother wanted to do it instead, which is the beginning of this kind of creepy family dynamic for me. Um, so a little disturbing, but I'm going to assume Charlie is maybe an heir or next in line to her grandmother, who I assume at this point is a witch of some kind. Um, it kind of reminds me of American Horror Story Coven with the Supreme Witches. So now we're with Charlie in her classroom at school and she's distracted by a toy that she, uh, when she should be taking a quiz instead. Her teacher interrupts her to get started on her quiz and about two seconds later we see a big ass bird flying to the window which I assume is the beginning of more weird shit happening. Uh, so now we are with Peter, uh, the younger son, or the, young, the older brother uh, to Charlie. Um, he's in his classroom at school and presumably has a crush on the chick in front of him. Um, so we're, we are now back with Charlie, who is outside, um, which I think for recess, um, and is now cutting the head off the dead bird that flew into the classroom window, and she puts the head into her pocket. Um, we also see that a woman is watching her and waves from across the street, and I assume maybe it's a witch from her dead grandmother's coven. Um, so now back with Annie and it seems her miniature works reflect her reality. So before going downstairs to greet her husband, she stops at a room and she stands in the doorway. We see that there isn't much to the room and the bed has been stripped. There is also a triangle burned into the floor. I assume this was her mother's room before she entered hospice and died. We then learn that the door apparently stays closed, so Peter, her husband, oh, I'm sorry, not Peter, <laughs> Steve, her husband, locks it. Um, Steve then gets a phone call from the cemetery about something being desecrated and how it's only been a week, so I assume the body of the dead mother has been defiled or uh, something happened to the body. Um, he also keeps this away from Annie to kind of protect her from whatever is going on with her mother's dead body. Um, I'm assuming the other witches had something to do with it. Um, now guys, as I said, I'm only assuming it's witches just from the book that Annie found. Um, so in the next scene, we see that Annie is attending a grief meeting, but felt the need to lie to her husband about it. She shares with the group, um, she's hesitant at first about the meeting, um, because it wasn't her forte, but she explains how her mother died, uh, from dementia and DID. We also find out that her father died from self-induced starvation because of psychotic depression, and her older brother was also a schizophrenic who hung himself at 16, um, blaming their mother because he said that she was trying to put things inside of him. And all I got to say to this scene is, damn, like, could you imagine? <laughs> um, so she goes on to say she feels she is the blame for adding stress to her family and how she pretty much resents her mother. So we are now with Peter and he is told from his friend there is a huge party tomorrow night. And I assume he wants to go because the girl that was sitting in front of him is probably going to go. Uh, he is also smoking weed. Um, and he blows the smoke out the window and we see that someone or something is watching him from outside and also blowing smoke out too. So interesting. It seems like there's a bunch of people, um, watching this family. Um, so the next day we were with Charlie in her bedroom, who's working on her toys and she's distracted by a light reflection dancing around her room. Um, 
we then are with Annie, who's received an email about the status of her project. Um, so now we see Charlie is outside with the bird's head in her hands, and her mother is setting up her project to send to the gallery. Um, these two scenes are happening simultaneously, so it's kind of cutting back and forth from Annie to Charlie. Um, and I know this scene was in the trailers when Charlie was walking with a dead bird in her hands, um, which is pretty iconic for this movie. Uh, we then have Peter asking to borrow a car for the party, and his mom inquires if Charlie's going to go. Um, so now we're back with Charlie and she's still outside and she comes upon a woman surrounded by a ring of fire, but before she can get any closer, she's dragged back inside by her, her mother who tells her she's going with her brother to the party, which I'm already calling is going to be a terrible idea. So I just wanted to take a sec and just comment on Charlie and Peter's sibling relationship. Um, it's pretty shitty. <laughs> Why would Peter even want his little sister at a high school party? I assume she isn't uh, that old, and the mom knows there will be alcohol there, and probably drugs, but she forces her to go anyway. Um, is Annie that desperate for her daughter to be that social? Anyways, we then see that one of the party goers, so obviously... Peter and Charlie are at this party. Um, we see one of the party goers is um, chopping up a shit ton of nuts. So obviously I assume um, that Charlie is going to have an allergic reaction to something. And she probably doesn't have her EpiPen, which um, was discussed when they were at the funeral. Um, we also see that Peter's crush is sitting alone at the party. Um, so this whole scene is just really pissing me off, guys. Um, we then see that Annie is working on her miniature um, works before we jump back into the party scene where Peter is asking his crush to go smoke some weed with him. And he's basically telling Charlie to just stay out there and hang out by herself. And he spots chocolate cake and he tells Charlie go eat some of the cake, which I assume has nuts in it or it's maybe like a weed cake or something. So I really just, at this point, I'm just so irritated with Peter. I actually cannot stand him. I'm the oldest of four, and I would never, ever put my siblings in danger just so I could go smoke weed with a with a guy or the potential of possibly getting late. Like, I'm sorry, guys. Like, this, I was already getting really annoyed at this point, so <laughs> you guys can assume how pissed off I was in the next couple scenes of this movie. Um, so then Charlie begins eating the cake as her wonderful brother is packing a bowl and ignoring his mom's phone calls. Uh, Charlie is now having a full-on allergy attack and, um, she goes into the bedroom where Peter was and says that, you know, she can't breathe, her throat's closing. Peter finally steps up, leaves the party, he's carrying Charlie. So Peter is now speeding to the hospital in the pitch black dark, and mind you, he's stoned too. Um, Charlie then sticks her head out the window to get some air, and just as she does that, uh, Peter swerves out of the road because it looked like there was an animal or something in the road, and Charlie's face collides with a telephone pole and it really looked like her head flew off so in what feels like a million years um the scene progresses and it looks as if peter is not 
even trying to help his sister like he really just drove home and left her in the field like I at this point I'm just so pissed off I'm like fuck Charlie like he's a piece of shit I'm Charlie (laughs) not Charlie fuck Peter he's a piece of shit like I'm so done with him like he really came home and just went to his bedroom and laid down um so the next morning we hear Annie running to the store and as she gets in the car she starts screaming Um, and then of course we get the wonderful scene of Charlie's head covered in, um, fire ants. Now guys, I was not ready for this scene at all. I was totally disturbed. I'm not going to lie. I was not expecting this. I was so thrown off that she really got her head like smashed off by a pole like she was literally decapitated I was not expecting that um so and if you guys have listened to my other podcasts you know I fucking hate movies that fuck with kids like I can't I, I, there's just something about it. I don't like it um so now I'm wondering if they know if Peter did it um we then see the word Zaza is now on the wall of the parents bedroom Um, We then see Peter, a.k.a. the worst brother in the world. He's getting into the bed and a red glow is coming from Charlie's treehouse. And we see the red glow is from the heat lamps inside the treehouse where Annie is sleeping. Um, We then have Peter in class not paying attention. We do get a quick flashback of him looking into the rearview mirror of Charlie's lifeless, headless body. Um, we also, before all this, we do get a scene of the mother obviously breaking down because her daughter is dead and we do get the scene of the funeral of Charlie's funeral. Uh, so I assume, um, her body was left in the back seat by her brother. So I wonder if her, um, cause of death was ever discussed or I assume it just wasn't relevant to the movie. I assume that they did have to do like police report and all that stuff but that's not really shown in the movie because obviously it's not the the pivotal point and it's not doesn't add or take away to the movie um so then we have peter smoking weed under the bleachers with his friends and he's starting to have a, a reaction to the weed and it's the same symptoms that charlie had when she um was having her allergic reaction at the party uh we then see that peter is fine um, later on that night and Annie is then leaving to go to another grief meeting. Um, so could you imagine hearing that this woman now lost her daughter and a few months ago she lost her mother and before that, at that same meeting previously, you heard about all that crazy shit that happened with her family? Like, I don't know, I'd be like, girl, you just need to start over. (laughs) Um, so we then, but before Annie goes in, um, She basically, she doesn't go in. Um, She goes to drive away and she's flagged down by a woman named Joan who lost her son and her grandson. Uh, We then learn that she still doesn't tell her husband about the meetings. She lies and says she's going to the movies. And we also learn that she can't sleep unless she is in Charlie's treehouse. And Peter is now starting to be haunted by Charlie's clicks that she makes with her tongue. So it's kind of like seeking something is seeking revenge on this family. Uh, We are now with Annie and she is meeting with Joan, the woman who chased her down uh, the previous day. And Annie recognizes 
Jones welcomed Matt as one of her, uh, as one her mother used to make. So obviously Joan already knows Annie and this is all like a ploy or something. Uh, Annie then goes into details about discovering Charlie's body and how Charlie didn't have a head. We then find out that Annie used to sleepwalk and apparently tried to kill herself and her kids. Um, and pretty much from then on, her and Peter's relationship have just been really shitty because Peter's obviously traumatized by this and um, blames his mother for trying to kill it and obviously holds it against her. Um, I also feel bad for the father in this movie. Um, he walks in, um, so now it's into the next scene, and he walks in on his wife adding blood to the decapitated head of her daughter for one of her miniature works, and she says, she, like, her husband basically is just like, what if Peter saw that? Like, that's not cool for you to be doing, um, and Annie's just saying, well, it was an accident, and it's not from his point of view, um, so I guess that's all it was, and there's no harm to Peter, um, so this movie, <laughs> I made a note, it's like, this movie is so strange. <laughs> um, then we have an awkward dinner scene and Annie's frustrations with Peter bubble over. And I'm just like, yes, give him hell, Annie, because Peter really is a little shit. <laughs> um, but then Peter does challenge her and say she never, that Charlie never wanted to go to the party anyways, but... It's because Peter lied about the activities at the party. So Peter still is a little shit and I still don't like him at all. I do not like his character. I'm sorry, guys. If you sympathize with Peter because of the ending, I do not sympathize with him whatsoever. If he would have told his mom the truth about the party, about it not being some school barbecue thing, then his mom wouldn't have let, wouldn't have made Charlie go. He would have been like, you know what? Just forget it. We're not even going to go anyway. So the fight kind of just ends with Annie storming away. Um, and that was actually a really good scene too because she's yelling at him and saying, like, you don't talk to me and your mother. Um, so the next scene, uh, which is the next day, we have Annie running to get more art supplies and she runs into Joan who tells her about an open seance. Joan then tells her how the leader contacted her grandson and I'm already kind of, my wheels are turning in my head and I bet it's a um, continued trap um, from the witches or from whoever these people are. Uh, so now we are at Joan's apartment and she basically convinced Annie to come to her apartment to perform a seance to contact her grandson to say how she wants Annie to contact Charlie. Um, so this scene is a little eh for me because Joan explained how they were going to go to a medium and now all of a sudden Joan knows how to contact the her dead grandson. So, um, you know, we get glasses moving on the table, Annie's hair is being blown back, we get messages on chalkboards, um, and all the while Annie is just freaking the fuck out as anybody else would. I mean, you run to the store to go get art supplies then you end up, you know, in someone's apartment doing a seance. So not exactly how she planned her day. Um, so Annie then wants to leave, but before she goes, Joan gives her the candle and a list of instructions for her to contact Charlie. Um, she then tells Annie that Charlie really isn't gone. So, okay. <laughs> so on her way home, Annie hears Charlie's clicking with her tongue. And that night while she's trying to fall asleep, um, she wakes up and she sees these huge fire ants crawling all over her pillow, blanket, and the window. She then follows the trail of the fire ants and we see that Peter is totally covered in them, but 
Um, she's broken from her trance with Peter asking her if she was okay and he's not covered in bugs. So we assume she was either sleepwalking or having a nightmare. Um, so then they proceed to have a very strange conversation about her being scared of him. Um, and never really, and she basically says, I never really wanted to have you and how she tried everything she could to have a miscarriage. And now they're both covered in some water, but then I realize it's actually the paint thinner and a match is struck and Annie wakes up from her nightmare. So obviously this is when we realize that Annie never really wanted to have Peter and that she tried to have a miscarriage and it didn't work. She gave birth to her son anyway. Um, so then she starts waking up her husband and son to perform a seance. She's acting like batshit crazy at this point and saying like she knows how to do it and how Joan taught her how to do it. Um, so she's begging them. It's 1.30 in the morning at this point. So um, she's basically telling them to like they have to join hands, try and contact Charlie and how she moves the glass across the table. Um, then uh, basically what happens in this part of the film is... We don't see it, but Annie had contacted Charlie like maybe like 15 minutes before she woke up her um, husband and um, and her son. And we get, you know, she's saying, Charlie, you know, tell me something, you know, talk to me, move the glass. Charlie ends up moving the glass. The glass flies across the table. Um, and then and then um, we see the candle, the, the it like, the flame like explodes upwards and then it goes out and then the candle lights back up and then a sort of weird trance comes over Annie and she begins to become possessed by something um and then we hear her talking in the voice of Charlie saying mom like where are you um and you know basically everybody's freaking out like obviously Peter and Steve are freaking out Peter then begins to start crying um, his crying is very obnoxious and it's making him more irrelevant and annoying to me at this point. <laughs> I'm sorry guys. I fucking hate Peter. I think he's a piece of shit, but whatever. <laughs> continuing, continuing. Um, so in the next scene, Peter is at school and, um, it's obviously the next day and he's getting distracted by a weird bend of light similar to what Charlie saw in her bedroom. Um, we also then see his reflection in the bookcase next to him. And guys, I think I've said this before in my previous podcast, but I hate when there's mirrors or reflections are different from the person looking into them. I think that's so fucking creepy because I think mirrors are so, so creepy. So like if you're looking at yourself in the mirror and the reflection doesn't look like you, I just, blah, blah, blah. and then adding more insult to injury, it's like has this really creepy smile. And um, I'm just like, not, oh, just did not like this scene. Um, so then we have, um, we are now with Annie, and oh, Peter obviously freaks the fuck out. Um, we are now with Annie, and she gets a phone call from her husband basically yelling at her for not protecting their son. Um, what I find weird is that Annie didn't go and find her son after she gets this alarming phone call from her husband. She kind of just kept on working and then she proceeds to just destroy all of her work. Um, we also see that there's very, very, very high stress on this family and we also see the husband is now sleeping on the couch. So then Annie uh, hears a faint scribbling from Charlie's room and we see that something is drawing on the pages of one of the notebooks. On every single page of the notebook. It's kind of like a scribble and it went to the next page and another scribble and it goes to the next page. Um, 
we are now with Charlie and he is, I'm sorry, we are now with Peter in his bedroom. It looks like he's trying to fall asleep and he is awoken by the click of Charlie's tongue and her ghostly figure in the corner of his room with her head tipping over and then right before it falls onto the ground, it transforms into a basketball. Um, we then hear uh, their dog growling from the door from from P, um, Peter's doorway and then we see hands coming from behind his bedpost grabbing onto his face before the door slams. We then see that Annie is in uh, Peter's bedroom and was most likely the one pulling trying to pull off her son's head. Um, we then see that Charlie uh, or someone is making Annie um, seek revenge and kill her son which I assume uh, from the drawings in the book uh, Annie then burns the evidence of the journal and her sleeve actually catches on fire. Um, but so as the journal burns, so does Annie. So I assume there's some kind of spell or curse on this notebook and it's somehow connected to Annie. So, uh, the next morning Annie goes to Joan's house, obviously, to be like, oh, what the fuck is going on? Like, something happened with this seance that I did. Um, but then we see that Joan is not home and she has her entire apartment as sort of a shrine or a spell, uh, with Peter's photo right in the middle of the same triangle that was found in her mother's bedroom. We also um, see that there's Charlie's toys and the bird head is also a part of this shrine. So now I assume Charlie was um, some kind of supreme and now all the witches are pissed and want revenge. Um, Annie also realizes that Joan does in fact know her mother. Uh, we then see Peter is at school and Joan is across the street from the school yelling at him, um, but obviously no one can see or hear her. Um, she's basically saying, like, I expel you, and she's telling him to get out. So now we are back with Annie, who is growing, going through her mother's things, and she finds a book entitled Invocations and reads about a king of mischief. Um, she then flips open a photo album to see that Joan and her mother definitely knew each other. So at this point of the movie, I actually paused it to read exactly what the, um, what it said. And it was about this king who preferred a male host. So it all kind of started making sense in my head. Um, this is kind of when I realized that they're not witches. It's more like a satanic cult. Um, so yeah, we are now back with Peter, um, who is being, he's being guided to his classroom by this weird light. Um, we also learn that Annie's mother's grave was dug up. Uh, Annie then goes into the attic. Um, she is greeted by a swarm of flies and an awful smell. And as she gets up the stairs, she spots a pair of leg black legs, which I assume is her mother's rotting corpse, and the mother also has no head. Um, now we're back with Peter, who continues to hear the clicking, and um, which is obviously Charlie's tongue, and shortly after raises his hands in a really awkward way, and we see that he is suffering from an allergic reaction, and then proceeds to pound his face into the desk. Um, I was actually reading something about this scene that the actor who played Peter wanted to actually break his nose, but the director said um, he, he appreciated the, op, you know, the enthusiasm, but he said no, 
Um, so the desk actually had foam on it, but because the actor hit his face so hard, he dislocated his jaw. So interesting. Um, so about a half, with about a half hour left of the film, I'm really ready for like the crazy shit to happen that everybody keeps telling me about. Um, I did talk with my sister when this movie came out. She actually saw it in theaters and she said that the ending of the movie, like the last like half hour to 20 minutes are just crazy. Um, so, and also considering we haven't really had anything happen, um, except we haven't had anything pop off except for, uh, Charlie's head, of course. (laughs) Um, so now we're back with the husband who gets the phone call about Peter and is just completely breaking down over his family situation. Um, he then arrives at home and Annie is running out to bombard him and we see that she had zero idea of her son's well-being and that she really doesn't care either because she's trying to show Steve um, her mother's dead body instead of the well-being of her son. So then we have to assume that Steve is just fed up with Annie and all of her bullshit and is not even contacting her anymore about the son and is probably going to throw her into the loony bin. Um, so we see, um, yeah, Steve changes over his wife, but goes into the attic anyways after he helps Peter settle into his room. And we see that, um, and he sees that his wife is actually correct about the dead body. I, for some reason, I thought like, oh, well, maybe it'll disappear. But it was there. Um, so Annie is just trying to continue to, con- to uh, convince her husband that sh- that it's all connected to her mother and Joan and this weird uh, witchcraft thing. Um, Steve then is piecing together his own story that basically his wife is losing her mind and she's the one that actually dug up the grave, um, because she's the one that found the body in the attic. Um, Annie is also under the assumption that when she had the seance to contact, uh, Charlie, they summoned an evil spirit and now it's after Peter. She then tells her husband that she wants to sacrifice herself to save Peter, aka burning the, the journal, um, to save, um you know, to burn his, burn herself, basically, she's going to commit suicide to save her family, um, so in the next three to five minutes, she's trying to get her husband to get down the stairs to their fireplace, she's telling him she loves him, she's having, you know, a huge, just breakdown, um, so he's basically telling her no, and that she's, and that he's going to call the police, so Annie, just being fed up, grabs the book and throws it into the fireplace, but instead of Annie burning, Steve is the one who goes up in flames, and, you know, obviously he's dead now and Annie just has this horrific look on her face as her husband is burning to death right in front of her. Um, so now we're left with, um, Peter and it's dark and he's walking around. Um, he's waking up in his dark bedroom and he sees that someone has lit a fire inside of Charlie's treehouse. Uh, we then see Peter turn his head and, (laughs) The soundless body of his mother is basically crawling sideways across the walls. Um, Very creepy, and we can obviously assume that something has taken over his mother's body. So Peter obviously is not seeing this. He gets out of bed and starts wandering around his home looking for his family. Um, It can also assume that he smells the burnt corpse of his father as he heads into the dining room area. We also see that the kitchen chairs in the house are kind of all just out of sorts. Um, the kitchen chairs are all knocked over. He then sees his father's body and obviously gets upset. 
and we see that Annie slash Demon is hovering behind him in the corner of the ceiling. Um, we also father, uh, follow Peter's eyes to a naked guy in the doorframe behind him, which I was not expecting at all. Um, so at this point, I'm extremely confused. So um, we then see his mother run out of a dark corner and chase him up the stairs, and Peter finds refuge in the attic and locks himself in. We then get the very disturbing scene of Annie bashing her head into the ceiling, which I wasn't a fan of because it was very scary. And I actually <laughs> woke up last night to run to the bathroom. Um, and of course, it always seems like your mind likes to go to the scariest scenes of a movie when you're, you know, waking up and you're, you have to go to the bathroom in the complete dark. So I immediately turned on my bathroom light and was like, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> um, so... He's in the attic now, um, and then uh, we see that Peter is kind of mentally transported back to a childlike state because he's calling his mother mommy um, because he's obviously petrified. Uh, Peter then starts looking around the attic once the literal headbanging stops, and he sees that a ton of candles are burning and also a shit ton of flies. Um and uh, he sees the candles are burning around the corpse, uh, where the corpse of his dead grandmother used to be, and in its place is a photo of Peter with his eyes uh, gouged out. Uh, he then convinces himself that he is dreaming, but then we hear some weird-ass noise, and as Peter looks up, we see his mother is floating on the ceiling of the attic and is sawing her own head off with what looks like a wire. We then see there are more naked people in the attic waving and smiling at Peter. Peter then, trying to escape from all of this, jumps out of the window from the attic and we see his lifeless body, all the while hearing the sawing continue uh, until we hear a thud, which is obviously Annie's head falling off of her body. Um, we then see that Peter is starting to gain consciousness again, but he's a little off, and then he clicks his tongue. He then starts walking towards the treehouse. Um, he's following his mother's headless body, which is also floating into the treehouse. And he gets up into the treehouse, and we see more naked people. Um, so then he's... Uh, we see they're kneeling, and they're naked. Um, we also... Um, get this really weird, ominous music, and Peter turns to see the gold statue of what I think is a king, and I also recognize it from the book that Annie found earlier. We also see that the symbol is stamped into the chest of the statue that was on her grandmother's necklace, and we also see the head of Charlie, um, the rotten head of Charlie, is stuck on top of the crown. We then see the headless bodies of his mother and grandmother right at the foot of the statue. We also see that the grandmother was the leader or the queen of this cult coven thing. We then see Joan, who is the only one that is clothed and I assume is now the leader or the queen of this cult coven thing. We then see um, Joan place um, the crown on top of Peter's head and she calls him Charlie, which I assume is um which i assumed when he or she woke up and clicked her tongue we then find out that charlie is Paimon, who is one of the eight kings of hell and that they're in a satanic cult and then the credits roll so guys 
I watched this movie twice and I even watched the last half hour three times to decide whether I liked this movie and I really just have no idea if I actually do. Uh, I always find films about cults very interesting, um, such as my first podcast I ever recorded, The Invitation. I love the idea of people conforming to something that is totally out of the societal norms. Uh, Now, devil worshipping I obviously don't love, but hey, you know, live your life. That's what you're into. Um, I was also uh, fascinated by cults, and they get a bad reputation because, you know, the bad ones are obviously the ones that make the news. Uh, I could literally do an entire podcast on cults, so let's keep moving. Um, So I've never been a fan of movies, or I'm sorry, I've never been a fan of, of families being the center of evil but since this uh film got a ton of attention i knew i had to watch it for myself i just feel like i wanted more i wanted more of either of the psychological breakdown of the mother or more of the satanic aspect i wanted to know why the grandmother decided to dabble in satan uh did she have a bad experience with god or going to church uh why that not something else I also read a ton of articles and I watched a ton of interviews to get what was really going on. And apparently the answer is in the title of the movie, Hereditary. The family has something in their bloodline that is allowing them to summon and host a demon. Then I learned the reasoning behind Annie keeping her family away from her mother because of how fucked up her childhood was and how her mother basically used her son for the demon to possess before he hung himself, which is why Annie let um, her mother around Charlie. Um, This demon needed a male host. I also figured that the family was being orchestrated by the cults in whose one true goal was to give their uh, king of hell a male host, which is what I assumed when we got to the part where um, Annie is reading the book of invocations. Uh, I think the movie was very complex and a little times confusing and sometimes a little slow. This movie was extremely long. Um, I think... Uh, it just took too much of my time to really understand the complexity of it. Do I think the director did a fantastic job? Yes. I think his movie was very well prepared and poured over a long time before it was brought to life on screen. Was he maybe telling two stories in one movie that could stand as two separate movies? Yes. I understand the family was fucked from the beginning due to their bloodline, but I wanted either a horror movie or a family decaying because they're shitty people and it's their own faults. I like the idea of Annie being a miniature artist and creating her family because the cult is manipulating her as she manipulates her art. Um, Two other things I missed was that the pole that decapitates Charlie actually has the demon symbol on it and Steve the husband is actually a therapist so he knows how to deal and treat mental disorders. Um, I also had to do a little bit of research on the words that were scribbled onto the walls and find out their words um, used commonly to summon demons. Uh, I do like the idea of taking family trauma and drama and making it into something like Hereditary because you literally cannot escape the family you're born into. We get um, our family's traits, their personalities, their humor, and of course sometimes their mental disorders. Um, Then of course we have my biggest problem with the movie which is Peter. He is literally nothing more than a stoner teenager with presumably no talent 
and just wants to get laid but is chosen by the satanic cult because he is a male host and the demon wanted a male host. Then we have his mother and sister literally losing their heads uh, who are both way cooler and way talented than he is you know, dying. So I was just never a fan of Peter from the beginning. I understand why he needed to be in the movie. I understand that this demon wanted a male host, but I just didn't like the fact that, yeah, sure, technically Charlie is inside of him, so it's not really Peter, but it's like Peter was chosen to be the host of this demon. And yes, he now has to live his life out as a demon, but I just... I never, I didn't like Peter from the beginning. And I, I obviously, you guys know that because I said it from the beginning. Um, so overall, I like the concept of cults and mental health, but I just have too many problems with this movie. I know it'll be considered a cult classic, and I did love the actors in the movie, and I think each of them just did a great job. I think Tony Collette did an amazing job, and Millie, who played Charlie, did a great job. But I just wanted more of either the satanic shit or the mental shit. And you know, when I watch a horror movie, I don't really want to have to look up why this happened or why this happened. You know, I like to be able to kind of figure it out as I go and be like, ah, oh, shit, like that's why that happened and that's why that happened. And with this movie, I feel like I just needed to look things up to really understand it. And I don't really like doing that with the movies that I watch. I understand that a lot of people enjoy this movie. i think this movie is orchestrated brilliantly. I think that the imagery in the movie is amazing. I think the idea of the, you know, her being a miniature artist is so cool. I loved the fact that it was filmed, you know, in Utah and there was this beautiful scenery and how much time and energy and work was poured over into this movie. I appreciate all of that. I appreciate the imagery and the scenery, but the storyline was just a little bit too much for me. It was too many things going on at once. I had to watch the movie twice and watch the ending three times to really grasp what was really going on. And I I don't know, guys. To this day, I don't know. I mean, to this day, I literally watched it like two days ago. But to this day since I've watched it, I don't know if I like the movie. Maybe now that I've delved into it and watched a bunch of interviews and read like a ton of articles on it maybe now I can go back and rewatch it again and have a different idea because now I understand it more but there were so many things that I still don't have the answers to I was talking to my sister the other day about this movie because she didn't like it when she first saw it either but then she watched it again and she really liked it and we've been discussing it on and off um, the last few days. And the one scene that I was kind of confused on was when Annie is in the attic and she's basically sawing off her own head. Now, is the demon making her do that? Or um, is this like her last ditch effort to save her family? Because before she was possessed by the demon, she was under full, like she basically um told herself that the reason that her family was being attacked was because she did the seance and contacted charlie so she assumed that if she killed herself then she would save her family because i don't think that she really quite got that her mother was the leader of the satanic cult and that her family was basically used 
sacrificed by her own mother to this demon so that he could have life on earth and in a male host so i don't know if the demon was making um annie cut her head off or annie was cutting her own and her head off to try and save her family so that i'm still not sure um, my sister thinks that annie was too far gone by that point it was the demon doing it but then i kind of said my theory about how well the last thing that she thought was this this and this and my sister's like oh i'm not sure and then she's like i gotta rewatch it to see if i can figure it out um so I don't know guys I know that a ton of people love this movie and I like I said I appreciate the movie but I just don't know if I like it so maybe in a couple weeks I'll revisit the movie and watch it again and see because I know a lot of people that you know left comments on my Twitter when I said I was watching this uh they said they loved the movie but I I just don't know yet guys I don't know it was a lot it took me a two like full it took me a full two days to really grasp exactly what the movie was about including watching it and then re-watching it and then watching the ending again and then you know doing all my research on it and talking to a bunch of people so I'm just not 100% sure if I like it I'm still on the fence about it um you know don't come for me don't come for my head <laughs> um and of course, if you guys listen to my other podcasts, you know I just have a million questions. Like, what happens now? Like, what happens with this demon that's now inside of Peter, who's actually Charlie? Um, you know, what happens with... Um, what, what goes on now? And the questions that I stated before. Like, what made this grandmother, like want to sacrifice her entire family to this demon and sacrifice like why is this demon more important than her family why is this demon's um you know livelihood on earth more important than her family um you know what happened to her is this something that was instilled in her when she was younger and did her her mother do this to her did her mother's mother do this to her um i just i'm not 100 percent sure of that part of the movie uh so that's definitely a question that I would want answered um so yeah I don't know guys I don't know like I said I'll probably revisit it in a couple weeks to see if I like it but it's still I'm still just not 100% sure on this movie so (laughs) I'm sorry (laughs) please don't come for me guys So there you have it, my honest and horrific opinion on Hereditary. Did you like it? Did you hate it? What is your honest and horrific opinion on Hereditary? I just want to thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Horror Nights In with me, your host, Crystal. Please remember to follow my podcast on whatever app. And if you use or if you uh, could please rate Horror Nights In podcast 5 out of 5 out on iTunes, I'd really appreciate it um, if you enjoyed the show. Um, I will chat with you guys next week for another episode of Horror Nights In. Uh, all right. Bye, guys.